It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Welcome to the Money Guy Show. I'm your host, Brian Preston, and um, this one's going to be kind of interesting. Um, I'm going to jump in in just a second, but I need to throw in a few words about something I talked about on the previous podcast, but let me go ahead and give the show intro information. This is the Money Guy Show. You can go check us out at money-guy.com. You can also write the show at Brian. B-R-I-N at money-guy.com, and we really appreciate you joining us. If you're just new to the whole Money Guy concept of listening to our podcast, you should know my day job is I'm actually a certified public accountant, a certified financial planner, and a personal financial specialist and a member of NAPFA, meaning I'm only a fee-only financial advisor. We don't do commissions. We don't sell insurance. Um, we are trying to do everything we can to help you grow your back pocket. Now, I'm also joined by my co-host, that might be the first time I've called you a co-host, um, Bo Hansen. Bo's actually an associate here at Preston and Cleveland. Bo, go ahead and say a few words. Uh, I am a financial advisor here at Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. I will be a certified financial planner in March, uh, and I, I pretty much just make sure we get everything done around here. <laughs> there is some truth to that. But what we're going to be talking about today is I did a podcast, probably this is going on two years ago, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Consumer Reports. I've subscribed to their website. I subscribe to their um, magazine. So I get it both on the online version plus the print version. And then I've also subscribed to the Money Advisor. It's a little newsletter that comes out every so often that um, goes over more, you know, the, the stuff that really gets me excited, the financial issues. And it has the Consumer Reports thoughts um, that I really kind of like their mindset. And I think a lot of you guys are probably on the same mindset I am, that you're conservative with your money. And, and Consumer Reports is a good tool for you to make sure you're making the most of your money. Well, they came out in their March of 2009 money uh, advisor. They came out with a money lab, which is one of their research reports that they did talking about 529 plans. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And what I thought was interesting and I wanted to put a spin on this, is they did this back in March of 2009. Do you remember, Bo, what was going on in March of 2009? If I remember, that was kind of the low of the low. Yeah. Um, when we hit the really, really the lowest point in the market from the whole housing financial crisis and meltdown of the, of the 08, 09 years. Yeah, because the, the way it all plays back in my mind was is that, you know, 2008, the fourth quarter, was really when the poop hit the fan. And it was really, really bad. We um, had the election in November. Everybody kind of felt good in December. December, we had a nice little run-up. But then January and February, ugh, it was it was a, just the market just gave it all back. And then March, all the way up to, I think it was March 7th or 8th, wasn't that the two bottoms? So, it was somewhere right around there. That first week of March, it went down even more. That was the point where the Dow Jones went down to, to around 6,500. It, it was just disgusting. So it, I think it's interesting to go back in time, look at what they said about 529 plans and performance during that dark, dark time in the financial marketplace. And what I did is I put my own spin on it. I said, well, let's go take these five best and five worst plans according to Consumer Reports. Let's fast forward now that we have the, the beauty of hindsight, that we can look through the rearview mirror and see how these, these good and according to Consumer Reports, bad 529 plans have performed now that we've actually had a year of good performance in 2009. And then 2010, it's kind of been a choppy year, but it's looking right now 
knock on some wood that we might even close this year out with some nice performance. But um, before I get to the, the meat, so that's kind of the setup to let you guys know the tease of what we're going to be talking about. I do f feel like I need to kind of talk about something that happened. Is that it, I closed out last week's show with excitement, but then I had one little blemish that I talked about. Is that I talked about Disney World, and I told you guys that I'm a big fan of Mickey Mouse. You know, I, I spend a lot of my when we do family vacations, we we jump in the car and drive down to Orlando. I think it is a pretty magical place. But I had a blemish. The blemish was, you know, I had an incident with um, one of the glasses in my hotel room at the Animal Kingdom Lodge. And I took, you know, brought it to the attention of the hotel. The hotel, you know, said they were going to take care of it, but really didn't address the issue. So I made that comment on the podcast, really not expecting anything to come of it, but um, wanted to, you know, just tell you guys my thoughts on how great Disney World is, but also let you know about this one concern I had. Well, I was kind of shocked is that we are very fortunate that there, there are Disney people within the Money Guy family which was very exciting. Um, Bo's nodding his head. He doesn't realize that we're not on um, TV. We're more on radio where you have to be more you know, verbal with your communication than just nodding your head. Uh -huh, but um, uh -huh. we, it, it was good. We, it, I mean, I was contacted, and then I was even contacted by somebody who's in the consumer service you know, support area where they, they, they address these type of concerns. And the big thing that I liked that they did was they kept saying, now, we appreciate you bringing us our concern. We'd have done this for anybody who would have written us and let us know. So they were very, very adamant about making sure that they would do this. You know, they would have contacted, followed up with anybody that they, they had an issue because they want to make sure that they exceed people's expectation, expectations and, and make it a magical, magical experience for you and your family. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there because, you know, Disney, it's it's a double-edged sword on the what they're they're, they're challenged and charged by as you know that they're known for their customer service that's why they have the the academies and the the training programs for executives is because they they are known as an industry leader in that but the, the bad side about being a kind of a benchmarker a person who raises the bar is that you kind of are held to that standard when something goes wrong so it's very nice to see that when something you know didn't hit on all cylinders they they came roaring back to to make sure they made everything right so i wanted to thank disney world Thank the the listeners, um, as I say, because my friends. When I got to tell them about what went what went down and who was actually out there listening to the show, um, they said, "So I hear Mickey Mouse is 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 listening to the podcast." I said, "Well, it's not Mickey, but I said it's probably pretty close to either Goofy or Donald Duck. Is that that far <laughs> up in the in in the whole Disney family?" So I was very excited. So let's get back. That's enough about Disney World because I'll probably drive people crazy. Um, with my excitement about Disney, but I felt like I need to set the record straight. Now, talking about 529 plans, this stuff, the, the inspiration, I like to tell you guys what the inspiration is for shows, is that I was on the phone actually with a money guy prospect. And what I mean by a money guy prospect is, is a listener who thought enough of our advice that they actually contacted me to see if I could help work with them privately um, with their own personal finances. And I'm always shocked that you guys do that for me, but it's a, it's a nice little benefit that has come out of doing this podcast for, for the last four to five years that we've been doing this, is we have picked up clients all over the country, and I, I'm just floored. It really is the biggest compliment, and I thank you guys for doing it. But I was talking to this prospect, and she was great, and she said something to me that I think a lot of you probably fall into, and that's where this all came about, is that 
they have her and her husband have children that are in college and the one of the and I, I said you know one of my big questions was or have y'all been saving have you been doing the 529s and she said yes but she said the problem with one of them was is that you know while my daughter was in college the one of the 529 plans still lost money and i, I know she was talking about the year 2008 when everybody lost money but it's one of those things where it kind of brings up the thought that you got to know what you're getting into before you invest in these 529 plans. Now, Bo, you are my, my, my freshly minted CFP over here studying for your CFA. And by the way, if anybody doesn't know what a CFA is, the Chartered Financial Analyst is primarily what most of your mutual fund managers have. Um, that's a big one. It carries a lot of weight. So, so Bo is getting a lot of depth in his knowledge. And I, I want to you know, kind of put you on the spot. You didn't know I was going to ask you this. Before we go into these ratings and the research I did and the update, can you kind of give everybody a real quick overview of 529 plans? Essentially, what a 529 plan is, is it's kind of a tax-incented way for individuals to save for higher education expenses, meaning uh, post-secondary, you know, post after high school, save for college or um, trade school type uh, education. And what's beautiful about 529 plans is you get to put money in there, and depending on what state you live in, you might get a current year tax benefit. But the real beauty is, um, is the money gets to be invested over the life of however long you're waiting until you need to access these funds, and it grows tax deferred, um, which is really good. But the really, really amazing thing is if you use it for qualified higher education expenses, your tuition, fees, books, that sort of thing, you actually get to pull the money out tax-free. So you put in you know, you put in some money 20 years ago, it grows a substantial amount over that 20 years, then you get to pull it out tax-free. It's a really, really sweet sort of deal, um, kind of a way to, to stick it to uncle just a little bit. Yeah, and just going back into history, these things started back in 1996. Um, they really got picked up by a lot of the states in the early 2000s. And um, these are a little different. You have Coverdell College Savings Accounts, which are basically used to be called educational IRAs, where you can put two grand a year into um, a college savings, and those can be used tax-free for college for qualified expenses, but they also can be used K through 12 mm -hmm. for private school and other things. 529s are not like that. They can be used only for post-secondary, and as Bo said, that's for college or things, you know, or technical school, things that are after high school. So you can't use this for private school K through 12. If you, if you want to look at that, you got to go look at the Coverdells, but the beauty of these things is, is that you can put a lot more money in them than you can with the Coverdells. Right. Coverdells are, are capped at two grand a piece. These things, I mean, you can load it up and you can get grandparents involved. You can get aunts, uncles, a lot of family members involved. I personally use 529s for both of my children. I do always give the disclaimer every time I talk about college savings. And listen up, this is important. Junior can go get a college loan. You cannot go get a retirement loan. So do not do college savings and 529 plans first on your priority list. Make sure you're saving what you need to be saving for your own retirement. And that can be a whole podcast topic upon itself. But make sure you're taking care of yourself and then come to the take care of junior and, and the college savings. I, I, I can't say that enough because I'm always shocked when somebody calls me up and they tell me, ask me for advice on a college plan, and then I start asking them questions about their own personal finances, and they do not have those locked up. And I'm always shocked because I will tell you, I think your your son or daughter would much rather take a student loan than you living in their basement, eating out of their fridge every night because that's your retirement. So um, make sure you're covering yourself before you get to college. Now let's get into the meat of this thing. 
Um, just to give everybody a fresher of what they talked about in this Money Lab, which came out in March of 2009, is that they ranked the best plans. And what they, some of their criteria on this was, and I'll go ahead and read, what they considered the best was, these are 529 plans, according to Consumer Reports, which you can buy yourself, offer relatively inexpensive investments with appropriate allocations based upon child's, your child's age, they also offer multiple age-based tracks, so if you decide to invest more conservatively or aggressively, you won't need to change to another 529. So instead of just basing it off of only your age, um, a lot of these in the best category let you do either a moderate age-based allocation, aggressive allocation, or even very aggressive. I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking about Georgia when I think about all the different tracks that they have, and that's, that's the plan I use for my own family. So what they ranked as the t five best plans back in 2000 well march of 2009 was pathway to college which is the georgia 529 that is um the manager is tia Cref, which is the former teacher pension group college savings iowa which is um done through vanguard and that that, that one had a very low operating expense and they have bright star college savings program in illinois that is op managed by oppenheimer funds and then they have Mississippi Affordable College Savings Program, which is also done by TIA Cref. And then you have number five was the Direct Portfolio College Savings Plan out of Colorado, which was Vanguard and part of the You Promise Group. Um, actually, both the the Iowa and the Colorado plan were both You Promise Vanguard plans. And um, we can put up these. I'll, I'll make sure Bo puts you up some web addresses. They're right here on our article because we can't put the article up on the Internet because it's copyrighted, but we can put the links. But all these plans have very low operating expenses. Uh, so what I thought was interesting was let's go pull those five plans. Let's pull their performance. And what I did was I went and pulled their, I went to Morningstar ranks and rates 529 plans and provides a, you know, a place to go data harvest information. And I'll go ahead and t I'll give that link to Bo too so you can go out to Morningstar yourself and do the research and read their narratives on the plans. But what I did was I went and grabbed their youngest portfolio, meaning for usually for people, kids who are zero years of age to three, four, five, somewhere very young. And then I also grabbed their most conservative plan, which was for usually people 18 plus. And what I found from the Georgia plan was, is and what I liked about what Morningstar did is it also had the worst three months too. So you can kind of get that gut check to see how this thing is going to be if we went back into another free fall, which I don't count on, but you always, there's no guarantees in investing. So you have to prepare yourself. So the pathway to college 529 for the young kids, um, zero to three, Year-to-date, up about 7.51. And I think all this data was according to, these are all the same dates. I believe it was at the end of August, so it might even be up a little bit more. Um, but the performance was good. The three-year average was a, still a negative 5.74, and that's because of how bad 2008 was. Um, if you want to you know, minimize that and go down to the most conservative, it's um, that year-to-date, that one's up 3.5%. But three and it's three year, which includes 2008. It's actually made two percent. Um, so you, you go down through here, and they're all very similar. What I was shocked by, and I showed this research to Bo, was how close their performance really was. Um, I'm sitting here looking at this off the cuff, and it looks like on the um, on the aggressive side, meaning for for children that are zero to five years of age, the performance for year to date range from on the low side to the worst performing of the good ones was 5.19%. 2008 
to the best one performed at 7.5%, and that was that, that Georgia plan. And then you go out to the, the three-year, the worst was um, losing 5.74%, which was the Georgia, so it's obviously a little more aggressive to the best, was the Mississippi, which only lost 3% a year. Uh, and then, you know, I compared that to the worst, and so let's kind of jump down and, and talk about who the worst plans according to Consumer Reports. And I'm going to bring this all in and give you some advice to close it out. But the worst they had was Tomorrow Scholar, which was the 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 um, Wisconsin plan. Is that Wisconsin? That's Wisconsin, isn't it? Yeah. Let's um, make sure I've got... Oh, that's the Georgia plan. Yeah, that's the Wisconsin plan. I'm sorry, I have research notes here I'm pulling out. But um, the Wisconsin plan managed by Wells Fargo funds. And I guess what they don't like about the Wisconsin plan was just that its internal expenses... Looks kind of high. Yeah, it's 0.75 to 1.23. And I don't even know if this includes... That's just the internal expenses. Who knows about that? It even includes the broker fees, you know, the commissions on top of it. Um, so then they drop down, and and what they and I, I probably should back up and say what they what to be on the worst list. It says these funds available through a broker or advisor currently charge higher fees and expenses, which will have a drag on performance. And I'll tell you, I'm a, I am a big fan, even though I'm, a, I'm an advisor myself. When we set up 529s for our clients, we always do it through the direct source. Um, probably, you know, funds that the, the people can go to directly. We'll, we'll download the paperwork, fill it out for them, send it in, but it, it's not attached to us whatsoever. We don't get account statements unless we want them. Um, they, they are completely independent of us because, uh, you know, I, don't, I, I want the clients. You know, you, you, when you're saving for college, it's a very small window. There's really probably only about a 10-year growth period so you need to have as much money working for you as possible. And a lot of these age-based plans really work out well. Um, and, and the sum of money we're talking about, because remember, my whole core philosophy on retirement-based plans, these target retirement funds, is I think people should be using those low-cost target-based funds until you get about $200,000 in assets. And the thing is, is that uh, you know, the, the, with retirement, I mean, with college savings, the numbers are much smaller than what you're saving for retirement. So it ties into that whole $200,000 rule of thumb. So since these accounts are much smaller, um, I, I think the target funds are great. Bo, did, I, did that make any sense? Because it was kind of a big explanation on why I do like these versus using advisor funds. Cause no, I think, I think that definitely made sense. Um, so talking about getting back to the, what Consumer Reports considers the worst plans, you had John Hancock, the Freedom 529, which was from Arkansas, and he had Franklin Templeton um, 529 for New Jersey, and that was done obviously by Franklin Templeton. And then he had Columbia New York Advisor 529 plan out of New York, and that's also a U-Promise plan, and, and Columbia Management and U-Promise working together. And then the last one is Columbia 529 out of Nevada. And that's, once again, Columbia Management. That one must not be a, a You Promise one, though. And do you all know what I mean when I say You Promise? What I'm talking about with the You Promise account is that a lot of times, and um, I've, I think I've got all my relatives signed up where you can go sign up for a You Promise account. Every time you go by the grocery store, you go out to eat, shop online, they deposit, they, they, you know, they, they deposit a small percentage into a college savings plan for you. It's a really incredible opportunity, especially since Bing has gone away where we all used to get the rebates for buying online, you promise is a great kind of alternative now that you, it's, it's harder to get the cash back. Um, I, I do like when you go to, like I think right now, Nike.com is 5% towards you promise. It pops up on my, my, my bar. They have a tool that they use. But it's incredible. I usually get several hundred dollars put into 
my daughter's 529 plan. Now, I have to I've set up two, uh, as you can tell, because Georgia is not a U Promise account, so I have set up a separate 529 just for the U Promise dollars. Um, you look like you have a question, Bo. Yeah, I, I was just going to mention, and I think if I understand this correctly, because you know you just kind of read through the ones that were uh, that were listed on on this Consumer Reports of the five worst: the Wisconsin, Arkansas, New Jersey, New York, Nevada. You know, if I'm a listener and I live in one of those states and I have one of those 529 plans, um, should that cause should should that cause me concern? First of all, we can open these up even if we're not in the same state, right? Oh yeah, you, yeah, you, can, you open can open up a 529 up no matter what state you live in. Matter of fact, I, I'll tell you what we've been doing 529 plans for a long time, and I, I'm I'm embarrassed to say Georgia was one of the last states to adopt 529s, but we were still using college savings. For clients, even when Georgia, so we we went to Utah. Typically, was what most people were recommending back in the day, um, because Utah was done by Vanguard. It was considered a low cost. Um, so no, you're you're exactly right. You can open up plans in any state. But I'd also tell you, you're in in some of these negative ones. Um, you look at your tax savings. Make sure you know because the tax benefits might outweigh some of the fees to a degree. Because I will tell you, I went and ran the performance on even these worst performers. And it was, I was they, they did not do too bad. Um, it was, you know, because we've been in a good market in 2009 and 2010 starting to shape up to look a lot better, um, they, they held their own. You know, the, the biggest thing you have to make sure that you watch out for, and that's a great point, Bo. I appreciate you bringing that up. The biggest thing is really looking at the worst three months performance and making sure that you could handle your, your child going through a three-month period like that. And the average on the most conservative um, portfolios, these are for kids, you know, 18 plus. On the good ones, these are the good plans, according to Consumer Reports, they still lost 9.386% as, you know, as a worst case, worst three months. So you think about that, you put your money in, your child is in college, and then it loses close to 10% you're probably going to be pretty upset. So, But you need to understand, and Consumer Reports even talks about that a little bit because they, they give on, in this article back from March of 2009, it says for 15 to 17-year-olds, now they were using the category a little bit below the 18-plus that I've used for my, my, my actual pool in the research. It says, when the, it says 15 to 17-year-olds, when the portfolio should have, have a conservative slant. We found that some funds actually made a few dollars last year. Now, so that means in 2008, a few of the funds actually made money, though none gained more than 2.7%. But more funds than not lost money, one as much as 29%. So you can imagine, you have a 15 to 17-year-old, you're thinking that's a pretty conservative investment, and then it loses 29%, you're going to be sick because a third of your college savings has evaporated. Now, hopefully they made it back in 2009 and stayed the course, but you don't want to give yourself that gut check. So make sure you use the Morningstar tool we're going to be giving you today to go check out that worst performance and make sure it's something you feel comfortable with. It goes on and it says also, more than half of the plans, remember this is for 15 to 17-year-olds, lost more than 10% over the same period, meaning that during that 2008 free fall, um, a lot of these plans still lost over 10%. And that kind of ties into that average that I read to you um, that the most conservative on the best was 9.386. Now, the, the worst um, on the worst list, according to Consumer Reports, was um, they lost 9.872, so pretty much 9.9, a little bit more 
But um, a lot of that probably has to do with fees. And the only other, only other thing I don't know if, if Morningstar is showing this. I'm, I'm sure it's net of expenses, but I don't know if it's net of commissions. That's, that's the only thing I don't know about the data and their disclosures. Uh, I'm sorry to say we're not easy enough to decipher that. So um, not sure these are completely apple to apple um, in practice when you actually use your real money. But it is, it, a lot of these plans still held up okay, especially during the good years. I think the biggest thing is making sure that you, you know, get a jump on savings, start early. You know, you, you want to have time working for you, not working against you. So as soon as you can, start saving. Invest on a regular basis so you're not doing the emotional game plan, whether it's monthly, quarterly. I'd also say make it a family affair. You know, if you're one of those people, I've had to talk to both of my in-laws, is, you know, when you have one-year-old, two-year-olds, yeah, they want their their tendency is they want to go buy the grandkids a lot of toys, and and I'll be honest with you, I think our kids have way too many toys. So I've I've had to talk with both in laws and said, please, um, you know, it's fine, go buy one or two toys. I want you, you know, I want the kids to enjoy it. But you know, what would really make a huge impact is if maybe you give fifty dollars towards the college savings plan. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but you do fifty bucks for their birthdays, fifty bucks for you know for Christmas. And you do that over a number of years, it turns into a chunk of money. And, and I think you can do that for anybody who seems very generous. And, you know, but you have these gifts that, you know, come in and the, they, they play with them. I'll tell you, typically at my house, I, I think my, my youngest daughter, the one-year-old, would rather play in the box that the toys came in than actually the toy. So, that, that you know, how much of a gift would it be that on her 18th birthday, I can, you know, I can say, remember... You know, your grandparents set the, you know, they helped out in this. And this we were all working together, and now your college is taken care of. You know, it's an incredible, incredible opportunity. Now, a lot of you are probably wondering, well, my child is such a great athlete. My child is a rocket scientist. What happens if they get a scholarship that covers, and you know, they don't even need these 529 plans? Well, the great thing about 529s is you can pass them down to, um, other siblings. You can use them for yourself, actually. So I always tell people, front end load the oldest child, put a little bit extra in that, the oldest child, so that way if they don't use it all, you can pass it down to their younger sibling. And if they don't use it, you might be able to go back to school for yourself. And if that doesn't even work, you can always get the principal out and then just pay a penalty on the earnings. And it's, it's 10% on, on the income taxes if it's not um, used for uh, educational purposes. So Bo, do you have anything you want to add on that part of the, the thought process? No, I think I think you hit it head on. Um, but th those are the big things. I was shocked. I will tell you, the, looking at the best and worst, they both have kind of performed right in line with the markets. And that makes sense because these are index target-based funds, so they're, they're more tied into the, to the indexes. So there's not a huge variation in performance. With that being the case, I think it's even more important that you look at what you're paying in, in fees as well as looking at the tax incentives within your state. If you want a resource to go check this out, to go find out you know, what your tax benefits are, also to look at your options, because some states have multiple options, and I would encourage you to make sure you're getting the most affordable choice out of your state and not just choose the easiest one to, to come across. Um, a great resource for checking, you know, to go research this stuff is savingforcollege.com. That's that college, you know, re, you know, website that you can go research college savings that was recently acquired by Bankrate. 
um, a while back. And then there's also collegesavings.org is another resource where you can go pull up all the different state plans. <laughs> but that's um that's kind of our resources on saving for college. Now I do want to double back real quick to close out the show. A lot of you, what I liked about doing the last show when I was talking about American exceptionalism is that we had some discussion, we had some comments, we had some people who totally thought I was off my off the, my rocker on it, and then we had others that completely agreed with me. Um, what I liked was everybody was respectful. They gave their thoughts, even had some blog posts about you know what, the differences of opinions. That's what I like. I like communication like that. Please use the comments section to be an open forum to have discussions. If you don't always have to agree with me, you know, feel free to leave a comment respectfully. And um, I think we can all learn from each other. That's, that's the great thing about doing this is we are a community. We all grow off of each other and we all succeed off of each other. So, you know, please continue to keep listening to The Money Guy. Use this as a resource. Tell your friends and family about it. And, um, you know, also throw us out some show topics. If you feel like there's something we have not been talking about, let us know. You know, and I was talking to a, a financial journalist just this past week and she said, hey, if you, if you guys ever come up with something we should be covering and writing articles on, you know, share it with me because we're always looking for good ideas. So I'm going to open that up to everybody. Please tell me if there's something you feel like is not being covered. Write us an email and we will address it and, and try to, you know, educate the masses to help everybody. Bo, you have anything before we shut this thing down? That's all I've got. Well, I'm the host of The Money Guy Show. We'll talk to you in about two weeks. If you have any questions, write us at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at money-guy.com. Um, you can also go check out show notes, money-guy.com. You can also sign up for a free subscription where you just go sign up, give us your email address, and every time we provide new updated content, we'll shoot you out a blast to let you know what's going on. But until two weeks, I'm your host, Brian Preston. The Money Guy Podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. And Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. <laughs>